Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Justin and Irene Renton, all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, Justin and Irene, welcome to the show. Thanks, Derek. It's, it's good to be on your show. Thanks, Derek. All right. Well, I'm pumped and I'm excited about what you're going to talk about. I think you both have some great insight to share. But before we jump into the questions and the, the conversation, I do want people to know who both of you are. And, and really, really, um, really, I think this adds so much credibility to what we're talking about today. So uh, both of you are authors of, of one book or two books. One of them is The Healing, or Healing of a Wounded Idealist. And then you, you have a new book out it's called The Humble Idealist, a handbook to healing of a wounded idealist. Uh, you, you two oversee churches in, in 12 countries of Southern Africa that, that totals 20, 26 churches with, with uh, about 2,600 people. You live in Johannesburg, South Africa. And again, you're, you're joining me on this call all the way from Cape Town. And That's you have right. two children, uh, a 19-year-old Elena and a 16-year-old Luke. And uh, again, I really appreciate and respect what you do in the service you provide and the way that you, you guys lead. Um, I've heard, heard um, both of you speak on a couple of occasions now, but uh, I want us to jump into the first question is, what inspired the vision for your, your two books here? Well, interesting, uh, Derek, we, we, we never actually started out uh, with the idea of actually writing a book. Um, so uh, I've been reading a, a, a different book by John Ortberg called Faith and Doubt, and it described mm -hmm. a, uh, somebody who, uh, you know, if you scratch under the surface of a cynic, you'll find a wounded idealist. Yes. And I, I spoke to my wife and I said, sweetie, I think this is, this is descriptive of what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so we began actually with, a, with a, uh, writing a, a number of sermons that we taught to our staff in Johannesburg and then taught to the Joburg Church. And it was really through a series of sermons that we ended up eventually deciding to put it into a book. But it didn't actually start off with the concept of wanting to, uh, to be a book. Mm -hmm. And then so when you started delivering those, those messages, um, what, what 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 took place? I mean, and I imagine because you're you're speaking on on a, on a regular basis, you're able to get some great feedback. Um, was the, was the feedback from the people that would said, you know what, this we, we have to put this in a book now? Like, what what happened there from you have the, this sermon series to this um now that that you felt this the call or the push to put this to put this in book format? Well, Derek, I think. I mean, it was just totally the Holy Spirit because, you know, we, as Justin said, we never planned to put it in a book, but mm -hmm. um, I was feeling in all my idealistic, because I'm absolutely the idealist and Justin is the realist. So okay, in all okay. my idealist, idealist strivings, I felt like I'm not effective enough for God. So one of the thoughts I was having um, was maybe I need to uh, get more degrees or maybe I need to... Uh, you know, educate myself further or something. And we, we thankfully had Christian Ray. He's an awesome brother who was in, in the Moscow church and now lives in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. But he was visiting us and um, he helped us to understand, no, if you want to become an expert in an area, what you do is write a book, 10 pages, 
10 chapters. Each, each chapter has uh, 10 pages and 10 chapters. Hmm. And he said, you know, the funny thing is, even if no one buys the book, if it gets published, then you're an author and then you can become an expert. Yes. <laughs> so obviously this totally was fabulous. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I can become an expert overnight. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I was very passionate about the material. Justin and I were both very passionate about the material. And so we thought, okay, well, you know what? Let's write a book. I think the other thing is, is that, um, you know, I had become very wounded in my faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a woman's ministry leader, leading a lot of women, you know, needing to be someone who's pointing people towards God and faith, um, I, I was really battling. And that's when Justin found that quote and helped me to recognize that I've become a wounded idealist. But yes. we couldn't really find a lot of books that, that uh, you know, addressed specifically returning to faith from a cynical place mm. you know we read we read books on apologetics or you know on how to find faith and evidences for christ but not a book that would help a person return to faith once they become cynical and so that's why we just decided okay between what christians said and and we felt like a need we decided to write the book Yes. And, and, and I'm going to take a moment to, to remind my, the listeners to listen to what Irene just said. And she got that from Christian Ray and this principle of, you know, sometimes we, we want to be the expert or we want to take it to the next level in our effectiveness. And that idea of 10 chapters, 10 pages. And here we are, you know, we're podcasting from across the world. And uh, you're talking about the, the, the book. Again, it's it influenced, you know, so many lives. And, and again, you, you, both of you had me crying on the first book. I think when I, I picked it up thinking I'd read a few pages and then come back to it. But I remember once I started, I said, no, 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 I'm going to go in and clear out my schedule. And I'm going to go in and spend <laughs> this next 60 to 90 minutes finishing The Wounded Ideals. It, it, was, it was that powerful to me. Um, especially, I, I think I relate so much to Peter, right? Peter and his journey. And, um, and I think that's something that, that stood out to me. I think I'll never forget the connection that you, that you both made between Peter and his early years versus Peter and his later years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and yeah. I, I, I love, I love, I love that. So, so again, I, um, I'll share for me, thank you for the, the insight because it's been a, uh, it's been a game changer for me, especially, you know, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I became a, a Christian when I was 17. And then, you know, you, it, you're, oh, you're, I, and, and tell me what you think, but you're almost that much more idealistic when you're young and you're, and you think, man, I found the perfect place in the world, you know, other Christians. And then, um, and then you, then like when you find out like the first, I remember the first divorce I'd ever saw in in the church setting, it was like heartbreaking and soul crushing, you know, it's like, no, like this, yeah. this is the yeah. one place this isn't supposed to happen. Like forget, you know, forget 90%, you know, like, um, like we're supposed to, everybody here is supposed to do it right. You know, exactly. but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so again, thank, thank you. Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead. No, I think it's so true. I mean, I think uh, churches are the places that, uh, you know, that attract idealists because, you know, it, it's now, it's the perfect world that you're looking for. It's the perfect relationships. It's the way things were originally designed by God. It's, you yes. know, it's, it's, it's back to the Garden of Eden in many ways. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what the church is trying to recreate is the Garden of Eden. So, uh, you know, so it is, it is very attractive to idealists, uh, but unfortunately, 
that that snake still lives in in the garden uh, mm. in today. So that the, the yes. perfection that you, we seek, you know, is still we have to wait till heaven for that one. Yes. So so um, for for people who haven't read the first book, I, I, I would love for you got you you two to discuss a little bit about the transition that you describe with Peter in in that book um, from who he is. And, you know, from walking with Jesus to who he is when he's writing first and second Peter, maybe you could talk a little bit about, um, about that perspective, um, from the first book, from the, from healing of a wounded idealist. But I think the biggest, uh, surprise to most idealists, uh, is the amount of suffering that, uh, that you're going to still experience on earth. I, yes. I think that idealists are surprised by suffering. They, they shocked by it, and I think what's so interesting to see, you know, in Peter's journey, and then and then the the, the letters of Peter, you know, mm-hmm. is how much he talks about suffering in in the letters. He's constantly referring back to, uh, you know, the amount of suffering we're going through. Don't be surprised about the suffering you're going to go through. Uh, well, what suffering produces in us that the very person we followed, that we are following, you know, had to go through suffering. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, you know, Peter has reconciled, um, you know, the importance and the necessary of suffering in our lives, you know, and I think you can, you can just see how, how he's matured through that process. And I think uh, that's such an important uh, growth step for everyone to go through, but particularly idealists, because they, you know, they just, they think the world is going to be an ideal place without suffering. Yes. And I think the other, I think the other thing that idealists do is, avoid or distract from suffering mm-hmm. or difficult times. And, and so we don't get the character growth we need to. We are very clever at getting out of things <laughs> and getting out of what we can potentially see as difficult. And that's what we see with Peter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the garden, when the soldiers came, I mean, although he had made all these promises yes. uh, to Jesus about sticking with him. So I mean, I, we, idealists, we can be very brave talkers. I mean, we have all the right mm-hmm. words. Yes. But when the rubber hits the road, I mean, he was out of there in a flash. And I mm-hmm. think the amazing thing to know about First and Second Peter, it was written to Christians that were undergoing extreme trials. Mm-hmm. And instead of telling them to make a run for it, which I think the, the younger Peter would have done, is just mm. get out of there. You know, right. change your country, change your situation. He mm-hmm. he encouraged them to embrace their situation and embrace their suffering and to consider it light and momentary. So I think uh, mm-hmm. that's very powerful. That idealists learn to stick it out and let the growth happen that needs to happen when you're going through trials instead of trying to avoid the trials. Yes. Wow. Um, and, and, and there's so much insight in that phrase, uh, and even just that perspective of, um, in, you know, if, if for me, right. Um, when it comes to uh, one thing I see, I, I see in the, in, in second Peter, right. When he's talking about, you know, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness and goodness, knowledge. And he goes on the list, but he talks about adding perseverance. And if you would have asked yeah. me maybe four years ago to teach, somebody on perseverance, I would, I probably would have almost in zeal been, Oh, all you gotta do is not give up. But there's so much right. more, even how you're, you're, you both are talking about like of even learning the lessons of growth in the suffering. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I, and I, and I got that a lot from, from, uh, again, from you, you both sharing that insight. Um, so let, let me let me let the listeners know. So that, that's a book you, you certainly want to grab the, the healing of a wounded idealist. And, and absolutely. I also endorse the, 
the, the humble idealist as well. And, and, uh, and Justin and Irene, I, I, I want to ask, um, because there is a shift that I think if people who have read both or who will be reading both will see is, is um, in the first book, you, you, you both hold up the, the faithful realist is kind of how um, Peter's described in, in the book from a first and second Peter perspective. And the second book, you come back with this idea of the humble idealist. So talk about the, the shift in focus. That's a great question, Derek, <laughs> and one we really grappled with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what, what Justin and I spoke about, prayed about, studied out, is just the difference between idealism and faith. And yes. that ultimately, where faith is birthed is in humility. And so we see the incredible faithful people of the Bible. And that's what we go through in the last chapter is that really humility is the key for this faith that we, you know, especially idealists long to have that stable, secure, steadfast faith. But it starts with that humility. And I think idealists, we lack a lot of humility. We think we are right. We think we know what's best and we think (laughs) our ideas are correct. And so for an idealist to really be able to embrace faith, they have to embrace humility. And so what we we proposed was that in order to become faithful, you need to become a faithful realist. You're able to see things from a realistic point of view, but also faithful. And I think we ended there and we felt good about it. Um, Mm -hmm. But then we realized as we went on, especially myself, is that your temperament doesn't change just because you have a different perspective. God gave each one of us mm-hmm. a temperament, a personality that we're born with. Yes. And so we transitioned and said, you know what? The truth is I'm always going to be an idealist. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. just the temperament God gave me. Yes. And so to try and become a realist is like expecting an apple to become an orange. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. And in yes. fact, it's more frustrating for an idealist because you can't change your perspective. It just is wow. the perspective that you have. Mm-hmm. But rather, if an idealist will embrace humility, then they can become faithful. And wow. so that's why we actually changed it to be the humble idealist rather than the faithful realist. Wow, I like that. I like it. And it, it, it speaks to me. It speaks to me on all levels. And uh, similar, similar to, to both of you is uh, I, I did marry a realist. And um, so she's often telling me to come out of imaginary land. And uh, <laughs> in, in a good way, in, in a good way. And she helps, I mean, from a financial perspective, she is amazing, right? Like, and, and she helps so much with that, helps with healthy boundaries and not overpacking our schedule because the idealist in me wants, wants to meet with everybody, but it's not, there's a, there's a part of me that's not humble to the boundaries that I have even with time. Um, and yeah. Even as we budget for different projects, you know, um, I, I own a business and, and my wife is a, a registered nurse. And uh, I, I always think that a project will be done quicker and less expensive than, than it is, right? And, and this idea of, you know what, uh, whatever, however fast I think this can happen, I probably need to double it, you know, and I, and I probably, however expensive I think this project is, I probably need to also double or triple it. Just, just to be, have some kind of humility to the circumstances around me because um, on my own, I won't nail uh, the reality around me. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, 
So uh, I, I, I do want to just to grab a few snippets from the humble idealist and, and, and have some conversation, maybe, maybe a little breakdown um, from, uh, the, uh, from, the, from the new book. I know uh, there's this one quote um, that I, I grabbed. And, and just so you know, when I'm reading a book and I'm just grabbing these quotes and I'm filing them away, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take that one and use that for a lesson. I'm going to use that for a, a mentoring time. And, and, and you both did an amazing job giving me so much content um, in being able to pull out these, these nuggets, these pearls um, from the book. Um, but, so I'll start with the first one. The first one says, no one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start now and have a brand new end. So th- talk about that one. T- talk about that one and w- what it means um, to, to you and, and where that came from. So I'll share because a lot of these quotes, I mean, uh, really are helpful for an idealist. I think a Mm -hmm. realist sort of, you know, hears a quote like that and says, nice, good. An idealist, (laughs) like you say, is able to say, oh my word, this is so great. So I think, Mm. you know, when you've, I think if you're a young idealist and you haven't had any suffering or haven't gone through any difficult times, you know, a quote like that can seem a bit trivial. But Mm. I think when you've been through stuff and you've, being wounded and you you start things aren't as clear the future is not as clear anymore it's it's uh, starting to look a little jaded you're starting to lose hope you're starting to lose yes. faith a, a quote like that is helpful to recognize that you know what but things have happened you've suffered you've gone through trials but that doesn't mean it's the end in fact if you change your perspective and embrace faith it can be the start of a new beginning and your end can be different and i think for an idealist that resonates with us because sometimes we're always looking back to the good old days to mm-hmm. back when, you know, when I was 17 and I was so fabulous on campus and yes. I was so zealous and I started <laughs> with this many people and, and you're right. sort of longing for those days instead of saying, you know, no, we can have faith today and God can use that today and he can change the trajectory of our future if we would embrace faith and the humility we need today. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love that because there are, I, I mean, there's so many examples that were coming to me and, uh, the people around me, you know, I know we mentioned, um, you know, we mentioned uh, divorce earlier. We mentioned, um, our, we, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the Christian journey, in the journey of faith, you know, it's one of the most heartbreaking experiences to see people leave the faith. Right. Um, I've, yeah. um, again, joined, you know, becoming a Christian at 17, I'm 34 now. So that was, was half my lifetime ago. And, uh, and so I, I'm like, I, I feel, I, I, and it's not, just I, I even feel it. I know it that going from our, the teen ministry, you know, and I was in the youth ministry to start and then going through campus ministry, going through singles ministry, and then being in the marriage ministry now, um, it's, uh, there's so many people that I've started with or been on the journey with who haven't stayed with it. And, uh, you know, it gets me choked up. It gets in, I know I'm not better, but, um, I just, in, in that space, you always figure you're, you're all going to go through this together and stay with this forever. Um, yeah. but, uh, the idea of restarting now and having a brand new end, um, it's invigorating. It's motivating. Yeah. Glad that helps. Hey, Amen. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's one quote I, I grabbed on, um, on cowards that you, you, you mentioned. It says, um, disappointed idealists aren't cowards, as some may think. 
they are reeling from the pain of being unable to reconcile their reality with their idealistic expectations. So talk about that one on cowards. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's got anything to do with, with cowardice. I, mm-hmm. I think it is, uh, it's disappointment. It's, um, you know, it's a disappointment between the expectations that you have for, uh, for so many things in life, you know, health, the relationships, the church, yeah. Uh, uh, you know your political beliefs or what have you and and uh, and the the reality that you face in life and there's a disappointment that just really is wounding you know so i don't think it's really got anything to do with with cowardice you know mm-hmm. um but it's it's learning how to to reconcile those two and work you know work your way through it and and, and understand that disappointments are a big part of life uh, in every area and and that's where the suffering comes in and that's where the character growth comes in you know yeah uh, but it, it's not about it's not about cowardness or courage it's it's learning how to how to spiritually deal with disappointment and not let that take away your faith mm-hmm. yes um you know what's, what's fascinating is, is we know like in studying is how uh, cowardice is a serious vice, right? It's a, it's a very mm-hmm. serious vice. And outside looking in, if, I, if um, you know, you, we could see people not as vigorous or not as zealous as they once were and attribute it to, I mean, is it, is it their cowardice that is involved? But, I, I, but what I see what you guys write about is people are processing pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a, uh, that's a journey in itself, the, the processing the pain and then not be so quick on the outside looking in to say, you know what, um, they have, a, they have a, coward, a cowardice problem versus they have a pain problem and helping right. them right. Um, reconcile that, the reality with expectations. Absolutely. Um, and here, here's another one uh, you, you mentioned. You said, we can confuse expectations and faith. Um, whereas faith is actively trusting God and leaving the outcome and our happiness in his hands, expectations are just mental creations. Talk about that one. Yeah, that's a big one with idealists. We really don't get a lot of stuff. (laughs) You know, I think that we just go through life with these expectations that where do they come from? That's what we mean by mental creation. I mean, where do they come from? My spouse should do this or should Mm -hmm. do that. And I think that word should is really the, that will be the tell all that, okay, you have an expectation here, you know? So instead of, for example, with Justin, instead of expressing to him, you know, I'd love to be able to chat. I'd love to be able to talk. What I'm going to do is walk around and be, you know, moody and expect him to notice. And then he should, as a good husband, Mm. say to me, oh, sweetie, you look so sad. Uh, Let me, you know, let me help you. And I think sometimes that's what idealists do is we go around expecting the world to treat us in a certain way, expecting um, relationships to to be a certain way. And that in our minds, we think they should be because that's how we would be or, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what good Christians would do. Um, yes. And I think that faith is saying, all right, understanding my husband is not the most um, aware of my moods and emotions. So mm-hmm. in faith, I understand that about him. And so 
but I'm going to express to him. I would, I need to talk. I, I'm feeling emotional. I need to have a conversation rather than expecting him to. So I think faith is much more grounded in the reality and the humility to express your needs, express what you want, express what you hope for. Um, rather than withdrawing or just expecting everybody to understand or know what you hope for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I think, you know, there's so many, there's so many great good Bible examples of, of, you know, of showing the difference between expectation and faith. And, um, you know, you have, you have Jesus in the garden, right. And he's, mm-hmm. he's praying, please take this cup away from me. I mean, you know, I really don't want to go through with this, but then he also says, but your will be done. In other words, there's a faith, there's a, you know, I know God could do this, but I'm also surrendered if he doesn't. Yes. Uh, you know, we have Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, mm. and, and they're going to be thrown into the fire, and they say, we know our God can rescue us from the fire. But even mm. if he does not, you know, we're not going to bow down. And it's, again, you know, the, having faith that God can do it uh, is very different from saying God will do it, you know? Wow. And, uh, and so they, they, God can rescue us, but even if he doesn't, and as we surrendered to the outcome, and I think that's the difference between, you know, expectations and faith is that faith is, is surrendered to an outcome that could be very different from what you are expecting, what you're hoping for. Yes. And that's still okay with us. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we trust in God's, wisdom and his sovereignty that that it's still okay if it doesn't turn out the way we want it to you know we are okay with that yes oh my goodness and and uh you explaining that it brought up the i think the example you you both use in the book about the i guess it was the husband who had his wife who was terminally ill and and that was like a punch to the stomach and it was uh he was so filled with expectation that God would heal his terminally ill wife. And to the mm-hmm. point that the detail you, you both include is, is the detail that uh, he wouldn't allow the, ch- um, the, the wife to write goodbye letters to the children um, yeah. or the so long letters, because he, he, he thought he, he saw that as evidence of a lack of faith um, yeah. and how difficult it was for him when she declined rapidly and then passed um, how difficult it was for him in his 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 walk with God, and uh, and the disappointment. And I yeah. think mm-hmm. again, that example, I think it, it hits home um, because it's of course it's emotionally it, it evokes the emotion of disappointment and sadness and oh man that's so rough um, mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um. So here's is another uh, quote I have from from the book, and I, and I, and I, and, I, and for the people listening in, I know I'm giving you some great quotes, and, and, and believe me, there's there's so many in there I couldn't even possibly go over all of them in in one podcast, but uh, <laughs> but um, the, the next one I have is the opposite of expectation is acceptance. While expectations are based in the imaginary, acceptance is grounded in reality. So um, that, 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 that was a mind shifter for me. That was a, you know, forcing that paradigm shift to take place. So, so talk about that one, the, the opposite of expectation, acceptance. Yeah, so I think, that, um, I think that idealists have a hard time 
accepting reality. In fact, we like, you know, in the middle of the book, we speak about disillusionment that idealists go through. And I think, you know, we, we don't mind illusions. We don't mind having this vision that everything is perfect. And I think it's hard sometimes to accept that things are not perfect, things don't work out. And yet that's actually what we need to do is, and that's the opposite, is acceptance. And I think, um, you know, to me, it comes down to, uh, Derek, is really accepting ultimately the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. that God is all-knowing, He is all-wise, mm-hmm. He is all-loving, all-kind, um, he can be everywhere. He is in today, tomorrow, yesterday, all at the same time. And to accept that he actually knows better and that um, he is in control and that his plans are brilliant and we can accept them. And I think idealists sometimes, you know, we look around the world and we look around the suffering that we see in the world, whether it's the poverty or we see, like you say, the divorce or relationships or the lostness of the world, how many people are are not saved. And it can be very distressing to us. And so, you know, we we create these, these realities where we have these expectations. Okay, so everyone will become Christians and we'll solve world poverty and we'll, we'll do all of this. And, when, and we see people striving to do that in NGOs and all these different organizations. And, and when it doesn't happen, they, they can get seriously disillusioned. But I think the humility to accept that we can do just our part and even though it can feel very small and insignificant in our eyes, we can trust in the sovereignty of God that he will work it out in the bigger plan that he knows what he's doing. He allows things um, to happen or he decrees them to happen. Mm-hmm. And for an idealist to really just accept that, you know, I love the, the one quote that is in the book and it says, you know, the best thing one can do when it's raining is to let it rain. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, an idealist, is like, no, it's not meant to rain today. You know, it's my wedding. <laughs> it shouldn't rain today. And yes. so you can get really angry and frustrated that it's raining and get, you know, um, very disturbed by that. Or you can just say, okay, it's raining. What am I going to do? And accept it. And I think mm-hmm. for an idealist, so much of the pain and suffering in our lives, we bring onto ourselves because we don't accept certain realities. We, we refuse to. And I think we bring a lot of suffering onto our own hearts because of that. Oof. Yes, yes, yes. I think as you were speaking and as the, about the subject matter, it is really reminded me of the proverb that, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yes. And, and the shift in really is it the shift in where my hope is, you know, if my, if my hope is in circumstances or things that change, then I can expect to have a lot of sick heart, you know, a lot of sick heart along the, the road. But if my hope is somewhere else or, you know, in, in the context of it's in the designer, you know, and it's, it's in the relationship, then, uh, then my heart doesn't have to be as sick. And then naturally things will still happen, you know, um, even as, I, as we mature. But the, I guess the extremes of the, the roller coaster ride doesn't have to be as extreme. In, yes. in, that, in that heart sickness. Yes. Yeah. So, so talk about the, the most rewarding part about writing uh, these, these first two books. Well, what's been rewarding about it for, for the both of you? Um, I, I think two things. Uh, one is just the, the, sort of the, uh, the partnership that Irene and I had doing it together. It's been so much fun together. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to work on it together, talk about it, uh, go through even the process of learning how to self-publish and, and all of that. And uh, it's been really a sort of a fun adventure to do together. Nice. And then I think the second part uh, has been uh, just the responses from people. I think, you know, from people all across the world sort of writing emails saying, wow, this has changed my life. This has, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helped me so much um, uh, from being invited to go and speak in Russia. We went uh, this year uh, in um, in September, they asked us to come speak to the churches in Russia, and they said, uh, "Look, every every Russian is a is a wounded idealist. Wow. Uh, you know, they believed so deeply in communism, and and that that was the better ideology. And when that all fell apart, there was a wounding that took place. And uh, and then the perfection of the church, you know, and that the church was a perfect place, and it was." And, and then that, you know, that there was a wounding when the realization that it wasn't. So uh, I think just, just uh, you know, the impact, the help uh, yes. that has been able to resonate. And, and like Irene said, surprisingly, there's almost no uh, material on this topic. Very few people seem to have actually covered it, um, you know, mm. dealing with how to, how to overcome cynicism and, and um so it's just been, it's been, it's been really fun. I think for myself, um, the fact that people find it helpful is amazing. Because again, uh, Derek, as you know, one of the qualities of an idealist is we feel that we're very unique mm-hmm. and that what we think is unique and our ideas are unique and, you know, how we, you know, our emotions are unique. And then suddenly you realize, wow, actually a lot of people feel this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually really great. Um, it, obviously, we share very vulnerably in the book, yes. uh, which is scary. But yes. instead of, um, you know, receiving judgment or a lot of criticism, we've actually received a lot of encouragement. So for, for me personally, that's been encouraging. And then the other thing that I have to laugh at myself, you know, we wrote that book in 2017, and I am still an idealist. And every now and again, I need to go and read the, that book. Yes. <laughs> and, and I laugh. I'll read a chapter and I'll run to Justin. I'll say, listen to this. And I read him <laughs> what we've written. And I'll be like, this is so true. <laughs> so for me personally, that is hilarious. It's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit is showing me things that we wrote down that only now are even making greater sense. So that's yes. just funny. I that love that. Do. I love that. No, it, it, it's, it's, it, it is, it is, um, I, I completely relate 100%. And I heard somebody else say it first, but. They're, they're ta- they were using the analogy that, you know, LeBron James in the NBA will go back and look at his tapes, you know, and look at his recordings to see how he can yeah. improve and all of this. And then, but, but then this, a, a speaker had said it too. They go back to theirs and they were talking about how much they minister to themselves yes. as they're listening to their own <laughs> speeches. But you, yes. did, but you described it too. And I, of course, as a podcast host, um, I'll go back and I'll put on the podcast and I, I when, when I'm hosting it, I can't take notes as we're hosting, but I'll go back and listen to it and take a lot of great notes for, again, my speaking, my writing, and my teaching, what I get a chance to do. But, but sometimes, I, I, again, it's, it's, it sounds like the weirdest thing in the world, but I'm learning from myself because things that are yes. coming out of my mouth on that podcast, I've never thought of until yes. it, I was in the moment and I'm going, oh, wow, I said a pretty, I'm going to put my name next to that quote, you know, which <laughs> it, it sounds weird, but no, I, I relate totally to you, um, you know, even ha- having that opportunity to minister to yourself, your 2017 self 
ministering to your yes. 2019 Zoe. So, exactly. <laughs> so, um, maybe this will be the last question before we jump into and, and, and before I hear about the favorite qualities about your family. So, the last one here is uh, what unique challenges have appeared uh, re- relating to these two books? And it might be the vulnerability you mentioned earlier. It might be a little something different. What, what unique challenge has appeared relating uh, with these, these two books? Maybe the self-publishing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, just going through the process of learning how to self-publish a book was certainly unique. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and learning how to format it in such a way that, you know, that it would be accepted by Amazon and, you know, getting all the little components together, the editing process and how often you have to actually, uh, you know, copy edit again and again and again. And, and, you know, we, we had like three or four people uh, go over and and check for mistakes and very, you know, very talented people in terms of copy editing. And we went over it and then, and then we published it and then people started sending in, you know, Hey, listen, there's a mistake here and there's a mistake there. And we're like, what, how does the, how do you mm-hmm. miss these little things? So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, so the attention to detail was, uh, was actually surprising, surprisingly difficult to get right. And, um, yeah, so that's certainly from, from my side. Yes. Got it. Yeah. I think that, to be honest, Derek, you know, I, I thought after uh, we've written these two books that I'm now a humble idealist and <laughs> I'm pretty much amazing. <laughs> so even in that statement, you can see what the problem is. <laughs> mm. And um, I think probably for me, the, 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 the most humbling thing about it is that, you know, is really embracing the lessons and not just writing them down. Yes. Um, and, you know, when now when I get disappointed is saying to myself, Irene, what would a humble person do? A, a mm. humble person cannot be humiliated. So you're feeling humiliated. What would a humble person do? And sometimes I almost feel like my old, I, I look at my old alter ego and I think, okay, what would a humble person do? <laughs> and uh-huh. I think, you know, one of the things that Justin and I said after writing the second book is we will never write another book again because we have two kids, but it feels like we have four now um, mm. because it was, it was so much effort and thought and prayer and uh, to, to write those two books. And yet, you know, it's an amazing thing, Derek. I think a third book is on its way. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I recognize that, you know, we will probably entitle it an idealist and the sovereignty of God. And I think, when an idealist meets the sovereignty of God, there is a battle of wills that mm-hmm. an idealist must lose um, wow. in, in the front of their maker. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that these books have revealed in me is just the extent and level of my pride. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for the cross because that really is the only hope I have. But I do think that that is something we've been just now been speaking a lot about as a sovereignty. You know, we live in Southern Africa. There's a tremendous amount of suffering, poverty, Mm -hmm. HIV epidemic, um, you know, economic crises, political crisis. I mean, we we live in a very, very wounded part of the world. And I think as an idealist is, again, is submitting to that sovereignty of God and not feeling incensed by things and, and incensed by that lack of impact that you can have. 
um, you know, in a grand scheme. I mean, of course you can have impact in a small scheme, but Nigeria mm-hmm. doesn't want to have impact in a small scheme. They want to yes. have impact in the great way right. and, and, and really accepting that. So, so I think that's probably the biggest thing that's, surprised me about the book is that i might be a third all right hey we we, we spoke it right here on, on the podcast so you know it's recorded now <laughs> <laughs> all right i love it so uh, to, to close out i want to hear about your family members so uh, what are your favorite favorite your favorite quality about uh, justin for you it's, it's irene elena and luke and then of course for irene it's your favorite quality about justin elena and luke yeah, my favorite quality about my wife without question is just what a fighter she is. Uh, you know, she has uh, every chance that she's faced. You know, I've just seen her just dive into the Bible and dive into prayer and, and, and get input from other people. And she's never just sort of settled for anything in, in her life. And, um, and I just love that, that there's, there's just... Uh, there's no topic, there's no challenge, there's no problem that she faces that she's not going to fight her way through to the other side. And, and I just respect that so much about her, you know, is just this sort of uh, this passion to overcome. Mm-hmm. I, I think with my daughter, Elena, it's, it's, it's similar. It's just a passion. She came out of the, out of the womb. Uh, my wife has a Spanish heritage. Her, her, uh, she was born in Spain and mm-hmm. I, I I think our daughter uh, got a lot of that Spanish temperament and, <laughs> and just, you know, is, is passionate and uh, emotional and, and it's a beautiful thing. And I think that one of the most wonderful things is, is just watching her learn how to tame it and boundary it and, and use it for good, you know. So I, I just love that about my daughter. And then my son is, is the opposite. He is the most chilled guy. He was born here in Cape Town when we lived here. And, and he's got this coastal uh, city vibe of just everything is chilled out. And, and he's one of the most consistent Christians. He's just, he, he just mm-hmm. doesn't get bothered by much. He's just not shaken by much. There's a consistency about him that I love. So uh, we've got such an interesting family of, of completely different people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love it. So, love hearing that. Go, go ahead, Irene. So I think um, what I love about Justin is he is unbelievably stable. I mean, this guy's incredible. We've been married 22 years. And I think in 22 years, I think I've seen him down maybe five days. <laughs> wow. In 22 years. I know, right? Mm. I know. For an idealist, it's very disturbing. Because <laughs> I, I can be up and down quite a few times mm. in one day. But I really love it. I love that, um, you know, he's, his relationship with God is so solid. He, he genuinely is a man of faith. He genuinely, uh, things do not disturb him. I mean, they may disturb him, but he, he, he sees everything through a lens of heaven. And I, I respect that so, so much about him. He's an amazing father as well. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. He just loves these kids. They are so lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my daughter, Elena, um, her relationship with God, she fights for that relationship with God. She, um, she wants to see God. She wants to know God. She became, a, you know, a Christian a while back. And, um, you know, she's an idealist like me, so we're very similar. Mm-hmm. And I think I just love it when I see her fighting and working to her relationship with God, really wanting to connect with God. I love that about her. Um, and then my son, Luke, I think 
he's very similar to my husband and he's very stable and he's mm-hmm. definitely wise beyond his years. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to him and I ask him advice and he, he gives me this advice and I sit there with my jaw to the ground thinking, where did you get this wisdom from? Wow. Uh, so just respect, respect my kids so much and the decision they've both made to be disciples at such a young age is quite incredible. So mm-hmm. very grateful for our family. I love hearing about your family members and what you love about them. Um, Thank you for joining the show. Um, If you're tuning in, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. I'm here with Justin and Irene Renton talking about their book, The Humble Idealist. And uh, go go, go grab and buy that book. It's available for sure on Amazon. And and where where else is it available? IPI books. They also stock them there. IPI books, Amazon. So that's where you can find them. But go grab the book. It will be good for you and your faith journey. And uh, remember for this podcast, like the podcast, give it the five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. Share it with somebody who you think could benefit from it. And uh, remember to subscribe. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Justin and Irene. Thanks. Thanks, Derek. Really appreciate you inviting us on. 